week on the Sport Blokes. This week, get out the running shoes, water bottle and the nipple covers because it's a marathon. <laughs> AFL Finals, FIBA World Cup, NBL Blitz and a cheating scandal at My Beach Volleyball. Oh yes, we've got to bring the social sport in. It's not a surprise after two weeks. It's a long one. It's 8.23 on Wednesday the 20th of September 2023. After an unfortunate start to the five-match ODI series for the Proteas, they turned things around, winning the final three games against the Aussies in, at times, blistering fashion. It's footy finals time here in Australia as we near prelim weekend. Some Melbourne Storm players are even training in Penrith Panthers jersey to prepare for their Friday night opponents. Super Netball has its newest team, the Melbourne Mavericks. We will be entering the league. Meanwhile, a massive UFC-WWE merger is brewing. And finally, get the mimosas ready. Simone Biles is coming back for France 2024 and LeBron James and some of his friends might be too. But before we go any further to first service this week, a welcome as always to my co-host Joey back from Brizzy after we took a week off. How you doing, mate? I'm bloody sensational. We'll just pretend we didn't just record basically another episode yeah, prior to this. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I will also point out as well when Nathan said unfortunate he wasn't having a stroke. No, that was in reference to last week. Yeah. In reference to the uh yes, this South African player of a similar name. <laughs> yes. So no, doing well, mate. How's yourself? Yeah, can't complain. No one listens anyway, does Yeah, it? that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, I was thinking since we last recorded, I was like, Oh, I've, I've kind of taken the foot off the pedal with sport a little bit. I've had a bit of a sport detox. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, actually. I've watched all the AFL finals. I watched the FIBA World Cup finals. Yeah. I've watched as much NFL as I can get my hands on. I watched a bit of the Davis Cup. I've watched some of the AFLW as well. So maybe it hasn't been that much of a detox. Preseason comedy as well. <laughs> right. Don't you don't even know if it's preseason. It, no, it, it never takes a day off. <laughs> oh dear. What have you got for first service? Well, look, we'll stay on that tennis. It is worth noting, I basically watched none of the US Open. I just decided it was too late or going too late into the mornings after I was getting up. So I just decided, you know what, I'll focus a little bit towards the end of the tournament. Did watch the women's final and look, someone I talk about a lot, Coco Goff. Good to see her winning that one. Bounced back after being absolutely obliterated in the first set by Arena Sabalenka. But the men's competition, absolute walk in the park for Novak. It, it's actually getting a bit boring now. Like, at least eight years ago, you could have said, well, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal were a chance. But basically, anytime it's not Alcaraz in the final with him, I have no confidence. Uh, like, if you look at the top 10, guys like Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, and then these new guys like Sinner and Rune and Fritz, there's just no one that you feel can take more than maybe a set off Novak unless he's actually hurt and not pretending to be. Isn't that terrifying? It is. <laughs> How high could he get? So he's got to 24. Oh, he'll get 30 if he keeps Yeah, playing. I was thinking 30. Because yeah. there's, there's talk that he wants to play probably for another three or four years. So he's going to be in contention for another 12. You'd back him to win half of those. At least, at least a quarter, maybe. Yeah. It's not unreasonable to expect four out of those 12. Yeah. And maybe more. It's incredible. And, as, and this is as Nadal's body's breaking down. Yes. So I read some interesting quotes today. Djokovic is more successful because he has had a level of fitness and physique that has allowed him to play more than me. Yes, you can live frustrated with 22 Grand Slams, which is what Nadal is on, obviously, but Novak lives it in a more intense way. For him, it would have been a greater frustration not to achieve it. Perhaps that's why he achieved it. And all the while doing it with you know torn abdomens and hamstrings and all sorts Visas of things. Visas being rejected. But, but this is the other thing I guess we've got to remember. Had he not been disqualified from the US Open for hitting the Lions judge, 
if he was able to play in that Australian Open, the US Opens that he had to miss because of not being able to get in, like there's every possibility. He'd At be, least one more. He well, I think three. Of oh, most. I'm being conservative. Yeah, I think there's every chance that he's up at 27 already so you know as much as we aren't particularly fond of the guy starting to see a little bit more of a humanistic sort of like he, he doesn't look as much like a robot now as he used to like <laughs> he kind of like there's parts of him where i'm like you know what like, maybe he's not as big a dick as we've made him out to be and he's just a bloody good tennis player did you see that he won the moderna shot of the day i did see that i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. And, and the other funny story there out of Flashing Meadows is they're playing in the big smoke, quite literally, apparently. Did you hear about all those criticisms or comments about it smelling like weed everywhere? Court 17. Was it? Oh, it was just that court, was it? Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be brilliant if it was courts four and 20. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. A couple of other things in the tennis quickly. Really exciting to see Leighton Hewitt's son record his first professional win at the Darwin Open the other week. It's only 14. Tell you what, a few more years, he could be playing the pro tour. So, uh, come on! Yeah, well, hey, when Dad's Davis Cup captain, he would be getting a lot of exposure and a lot of good practice. Absolutely, and congrats to the Aussie team for making the final eight of the Davis Cup. Yeah, I actually saw a little bit of the doubles on the first leg before the dead rubbers. Hmm. So, yeah, very, very good win. Absolutely. Now, one other thing I did want to just quickly talk about before we move on to uh, a slew of things that you've got here. Simona Halep. She has been officially hit with a four-year doping ban. She's saying she's innocent, but, I mean, who doesn't say that? Think Marion Jones, Lance Armstrong. Oh, the funniest one was Floyd Landis in the Tour de France. Didn't he say that he, like, kissed someone and it was transferred? Oh, right. There's been some weird excuses over the years. Yeah. In fact, there was a female sports star that used the kiss excuse too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. But it was interesting to see Serena Williams. Now, a bit of context, Hallett beat her in the 2019 Wimbledon final. She then tweeted, eight is a better number in response to an article about this band, basically implying that she deserves to be credited with that Wimbledon title, which would have been her eighth. Thoughts? Yeah, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think that this is probably the case of a vacated title. There's butterfly effect things here. So had Simona been banned, she wouldn't have even played in the first round. Who knows what would have happened? So, no, I think it should just be a vacated title, and I don't think that you can award it to the person who happened to be the loser in the final. I don't think that's fair. Mm. It's it's really interesting, and I, I guess my whole thought on this is, like, why even do that? What's the point? Like, what? Well, this... she's scrambling to break the record of Margaret Court, of course, and this is how she has to do it because she can't stay on the court herself. But this is one of these things, and I, and I said this to my wife last night, this screams so much about Serena Williams when... You know, she's maybe lost something. You think about the time when Naomi Osaka beat her and she turned the whole thing into me. Made it all about me being me. Did a Tom Brady. Like, this is a player who is basically having potentially four years of their career stripped away if she doesn't get it overturned, assuming that it's not true. We we don't know. Obviously, we don't have any of the, you know, the tests and that sort of thing. I'm sure there'll be more stories. But I don't see why she has to kick Simona while she's already down. Well, and again... If things had been a little bit different for Serena the last few years, would she want this one? This is one of those two greatest words in the English language, default. default a little, yeah. yeah. I think it should be a vacated title, personally. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you on that. I think that's, I hadn't thought of that, but now that you mention it, that does make a lot of sense. Because they do it in the NCAA, for example. They've done it over the years in a number of different sports when mm. there's been scandals for whatever reason. 
So the other interesting one, because I was thinking about this and I was reflecting on the peptides and the Joe Watson Brownlow and that sort of, yeah. So I don't know what your stance was on that, if it should have been awarded to the next best or if that one should have been vacated. I can distinguish the two. Yeah, I think think so. Yeah. It's not dissimilar to a suspension, for example. Obviously, Corey McKernan missed out on one when was it? 96, 97-ish, yeah, he, around those years when they were making grand finals. I was just actually watching a video on that two days ago. Yeah, and, and we maybe don't even appreciate how great he was because we were only in year eight around then, but he, he was a very good ruckman. Do you remember the vision of him sitting in his lounge room watching it on this small TV? I can't say I do oh recall that. No, no. so pissed off. Yeah, well, you would. Yeah. You would. Well, Chris Grant is another. There's been a few over the years, of course. But then the next highest vote winner gets it. And I think I would agree with that with the Joe Watson situation. So I would distinguish the two. But I think in a situation like this, yeah, it's major butterfly effect stuff. Mm. You can't just, no, you made the final, great, but yeah. And it could have been that somebody who got in at Halep's expense exactly. might have been a better matchup for you. And Well, the whole, the seedings change, the whole thing changes. Yeah, She could have been on the other side of the draw. Yep. So yeah, no. No, fair enough. They're my thoughts. Yeah, I just didn't think there was any need for her to bring that up. Just let it go. Bit petty. Big stride forward, let it through to the keeper and try and maybe support one of your fellow athletes. I don't know, just a crazy thought. Anyway, what do you got, mate? I did have a few bits and pieces, Shuey. I think I'm going to push through here because we do have a bit of a time crunch having already recorded a fair bit for another episode as well tonight. And because I talk too much in this. No, not at all, not at all. I think, well, and some of my stuff that I would normally mention at the top will mention in mailbag. So I think what I'll just mention here is... Did you see that incredible volleyball rally? I did. Between Nebraska and Kentucky. It went for nearly a minute and a half. Now, a minute and a half doesn't seem long. But when you actually watch it, like 30 seconds is a long rally. It is, yeah. So quite amazing. And Nebraska, of course, broke that record recently for the crowd at a previous game. So they're 8-0, I believe. So they're going great guns. Unfortunately, we've had some deaths as well. Ron Barassi we'll talk about in the AFL a little bit, but also Lionel Morgan was the first Indigenous man to play Test Rugby for Australia and represent Australia in any major code. He's died at age 85, so had a decent knock there, but may he rest in peace. And that's obviously on the back of Australia's loss to Fiji in the rugby. Mm. Eddie Jones eating some words there too. Gets very interesting now. Sure does. So AFL Stewie, a fair bit's happened since we last recorded because we had a week off there while you were in Brizzy. I don't know how much from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was getting ready to go to Brisbane. My wife was working, so I really didn't get a whole heap of time to kind of get ready and to, to sit down and watch a lot of footy. So, yeah, I've kind of seen basic bits and pieces of this, but not a whole heap. I think we both got three out of four that week. We both picked the Ds somewhat stupidly. Out in straight sets. Yeah, yeah, we did, didn't we? Oh, dear. Although they had a chance to win. If I was a Melbourne fan, I'd be absolutely livid because Collingwood not only left the door ajar, like I tweeted a few weeks ago during the match, they basically left it unlocked, open, and with a sign saying, come in. And Melbourne just blew it. So many poor decisions. Van Ruyen takes probably one of the top 10 marks of the entire season late in the third. And instead of just going back and kicking it into the forward 50, he plays on and kicks it straight into the man on the mark. Stephen May spoils his own teammate in the back line, I think, in the fourth quarter. So many missed shots on goal. It was just terrible. It was terrible. And we'll, uh, basically, we can talk about a rinse and repeat the following week. Well, exactly. Funnily enough. Exactly. But, but we'll get to that. And yeah. I mean, obviously, the big thing to come out of it was the Braden Maynard on Angus Brayshaw. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. What were your thoughts on that? So Maynard's escaped. Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Brayshaw was just about as defenceless as you can be. 
because he literally just kicked it. So he couldn't even brace for impact. I did feel that Maynard kind of twisted a little bit. Not everyone jumps to smother. Sometimes you need to. I don't know if you need to when Angus is kicking it. He's a pretty small guy. Mm. But as the defence said in the tribunal, I think he had less than, I think it was 0.4 of a second decision-making time. So it's all very, very quick. Yeah. So I think probably the right decision, as we've always talked about, you can't decide on outcome. You've got to decide on intent and action. Yeah. Uh, there's one question that I have, I can't even remember who it was that came up with this question. What would we be saying if there'd been a touch of the ball? If he'd actually smothered the ball slightly, you know, just got a piece of the ball and the same thing had happened. Would we even be talking about this? Mm, interesting. It's it's so funny to think about that is because he missed the ball and only by a very small margin, we're talking about this as, you know, a dirty play, all that sort of, which I don't actually think it was. I mean, he's up in the air. He's got to brace. He's got to do something. He's got yeah, to brace yeah. Well, he could have kept his hands outstretched. But then there's, you know, he then increases the chance that he gets injured. Yeah, yeah. So you've, you've got to kind of look at it from his point of view that I, I think whilst we obviously, you know, we don't like the outcome, we don't like seeing guys getting concussions, especially someone like him who yes. has a history of them as well. And they've now said that he wouldn't have played in the granny if they'd even made it. Oh, and his career's just, in, like, we've seen Paddy McCartan. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. talk he might never play again, which yeah. is obviously worst case scenario and it's horrible, but I don't think Maynard can be blamed for that. No, and, no, I don't think it was a dirty play either. No. And look, I don't love the guy. So the fact that I'm saying that, I think really makes the point that I actually honestly believe that he didn't do anything too bad and it's it is it's tough i mean it's a very line ball sort of decision it's not like the one i don't know if you saw the one from the the grade football the other day where a bloke was going out for a mark and the guy's just eyes off the footy poleaxed him to the ground no i, I didn't but that's a dirty play completely different sort yeah. of thing i think it was just a guy trying to make a play on the footy and then realizes he's got to land somewhere and he's kind of braced himself and unfortunately it's just hit him in the wrong spot yep it's a contact spot yep yeah. As much, yeah, as much as we hate to remember it, like it is a contact sport. Yeah. Guys are going to get hurt playing this game. It just, it's going to happen. And the Demons, in spite of Brayshaw being out for the rest of the match, they really, I honestly think that they should feel really dirty about losing that one. Hmm. And I heard this crazy stat. I, I think it's something like Melbourne haven't won a home final at the G since 2018. I, I have that. I've got that very stat. Is it, it was, 2018? Yep, that's right. The semi-final of 2018 against Hawthorne because all the success they had in 2021 was at Adelaide Oval and Optus because of COVID. Well, that's right. And it makes you wonder if you'd, if they'd won that premiership had it not been here in Perth. There you go. And the, the other really interesting thing, I you probably saw the tweet from Swamp. Uh, about the qualifying finals losing their semifinals? No, about the number of teams that have won a final at the MCG more recently than Melbourne. Oh, no, I didn't say that one. So Carlton, Collingwood, Geelong and Richmond, which kind of makes sense. Yep. But more importantly, GWS, Sydney, Brisbane and West Coast mm. have all won a final at the G more recently. West Coast and yeah. Brisbane. And that was the grand final, obviously, yeah. in 2018. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Brisbane, we know they don't travel particularly well. GWS, I mean, you know, the Swans obviously have had success for quite a number of years, but there's some teams in there that, yeah, make you really look at it and go, oh, geez, what is going on at Melbourne? And yeah, as you say, should we move, we'll stick with the Demons. They had a chance to beat Carlton as well and blew that one as well. And it's really funny, like I said before the weekend started, I said, whichever team kicks more accurately will win. And there's every chance they'll have less scoring shots, but they'll win. And sure enough, it happened in both games. And so now... It's the first time since 2005 that none of the four coaches for the prelim have previously won a VFL or AFL premiership as coach. 
And it's also the second time under the AFL finals format, which has been around since 2000, that both qualifying final losers lost their semis. So Geelong did it in 2014, as did Frio. They finished third and fourth, respectively. This time, Port in third and Melbourne in fourth. And, well, these fans will be spinning chips, I reckon. Yeah, and I guess the big question that we have to ask is, was it a choke? I reckon I reckon the Collingwood game was. And it's interesting, I've talked to Collingwood fans, and obviously Collingwood started really well initially, and they did. But Melbourne, they really, they did not have a great final quarter. And I think Melbourne really had no one to blame but themselves. The amount of misses, and Fritch is normally very good, but he had pretty poor finals. Their inaccuracy just destroyed them, absolutely destroyed them. And that's kind of why I think this is a choke. There's certainly the Carlton one as well. Nine goals, 17, eight more scoring shots. And as you mentioned, this is after seven goals, 11 in the first week of the finals against Collingwood. You know, you've got the Clayton Oliver 50-meter penalty on the last line of defense. You've got the Tom Sparrow free kick after the ball was already out of bounds. And above all else, the Max Gorn spoil on what would have been a goal to Clayton Oliver. Yeah, yeah, when he got a finger on it. Yeah, shades of Sava Radigalia, basically. Yeah, that was weird, that one, wasn't it? And there was, yeah, not many guys back there. Yeah, You could kind of make a case, and I've heard people sort of say, well, he maybe thought that the defenders that were with him were going to spoil it. And he's maybe trying to hit it back into the field of play, but it's like, oh God. Can you put it on him though? He played bloody well. He, he did, but yeah. he also missed a, a very easy. He did, yeah. Well, the whole team were really inaccurate, but yeah, no, he did. He did. So, yeah, so to me, it does seem like a little bit of a choke. And, and I think the thing that I find most confusing is you pay $700,000 for Brody Grundy and you don't play him in the finals. It makes no sense. Well, it's because he's gone. I think they decided that the chemistry would have been too disruptive to play him, even if one for one game. But then they bring in Josh Shackey. Yeah. And he just sits on the bench the whole game. Yeah, I think if they had their time again, I think tactically they would have made some different decisions. It makes no sense, honestly. So, yeah, I, I think that is a bit of a choke. And, yeah, as a result, that is the second straight season that Melbourne have lost back-to-back finals at the G. And for a side as good as they've been, the last time, as we said, that they won a final was five years ago. Yeah, a final with the J. At their home, yeah, yeah. Their home stadium, which yeah. is just ridiculous. And I, I don't know if you remember me saying this a few years back. I sort of looked at the like 2018, that brand of football that West Coast was playing. And I said that, you know, it got predictable after 2018. Teams kind of set up their defences for it and the Eagles slowly became irrelevant and then fell off a cliff. 2021, I mentioned that it seemed like Melbourne took what West Coast did and then did it even better. And now two years on... Teams have figured it out and they defend it. You know, if you look at the Collingwood game, it was just bomb everything long inside forward 50 against a team that has Darcy Moore. Like Darcy Moore. Yeah, the, one of the best defenders in the whole comp. So, you know, so it doesn't work. And look, Melbourne are fortunate. They've still got key players, with the exception of Max Gorn, all their key players are in their 20s. So they still have time to kind of figure it out. But the current playing style, it's not going to cut it. I think the inaccuracy is the big thing. I think the style, oh, you're making some good points there, but I think if if you just kick straight, they'd be hosting a prelim. You know what I mean? I think you make an argument that they choke both games. So to go out in straight sets is pretty appalling. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I just worry about their forward stocks. Like losing Luke Jackson. Yeah. You look at that now and it's like, that was a, I mean, who have they got? You've got, I mean, Tom... Fritsch and Cozzy are probably the two most reliable as far as a big forward and a small forward are concerned. Yeah. yeah. But you've yeah. got, yeah, Tom McDonald, who uh, he's, he's passed it. Ben Brown can't even get into the team. Well, no, he's done. Who was, who was brought across as this specialist forward. So, yeah, you, you just, you do, you kind of worry that if they weren't going to do 
the whole bring Brody Grundy in and have him and Gorn kind of in and out of the goal square back and forward. Like it's, I don't know, it just makes no sense. He's off to Sydney, apparently, Grundy. Mm, which is interesting. I mean, we'll need a Ruckman with Hickey gone. So True. yeah. Speaking of Sydney, well, I don't know if you have many thoughts on the Swans and Blues. We basically just replicated the D's game plan by being shit in front of goal and blowing opportunities. We could have absolutely won that game and we didn't. And now the Blues are off to a prelim. So hats off to them. I don't know if you have anything more. No, look, I, I said you had no chance and you had no chance. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, no, no, hey, is, well, the proof's in the pudding. This is this is me being sour about we, how we, my team is. We did have a chance. We, we just blew it. We just blew it. We blew a golden opportunity. Lions and power. Well, the way the power played in that match, I probably should have picked GWS. I tipped the power on the basis that it was in Adelaide. But, whew, Peak too early. It's power outage. Yeah, it was power outage. Absolutely. Is, like, it's, is, is it as simple as them peaking too early? Oh, they had some injuries at the back end. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. They, they absolutely did peak too early. But I think the, the biggest thing with Port Adelaide, and it's not just the Lions game, it's also obviously the GWS game. They have major issues at both ends you know, in terms of the, their defense is horrific. They gave up the most points out of anyone that finished in the top 10 in that ladder. So they they're defensively, they're giving up too many points and three of their last four games, they failed to get past 75. So they're not kicking winning scores. Mm. And when your defense is as bad as theirs is, what are you going to do? Like they, they just, they couldn't kick a score to win. And, and I think the other big issue that you saw in that game was that they got absolutely destroyed in the, the middle of the park. GWS had a had plus 16 in the clearances. That is an absolute smashing. Oh, they dominated possession. They dominated clearances. They dominated inside 50s. They just dominated the match. Yep. Yeah. They were very impressive. This is it. I mean, you know, Jesse Hogan continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, four goals, four. He could easily have kicked a big bag, um, nine marks. As you mentioned, you know, Lockie Whitfield, 33 touches, six marks. 30 touches, two goals and seven clearances for Stephen Caniglio. 29 for Tom Green. And Caniglio was nearly... Out of the team a couple of years ago. And now he's one of their very best players. Tom Green is magnificent. Isn't he just? Sam Taylor is the best fullback in the competition. We'll, we'll get to tip soon. Mm. How's this for a stat? Now, assuming this is correct, this is at P-R-O-T-F-T-W, <laughs> Andrew his name is, 29 and 30 in night games and two and four in finals at Adelaide Oval since the redevelopment for season 2014. That's mm, not good reading. That's not good reading at all. You don't want to be playing night games there. And it's four sudden death finals defeats for Port Adelaide Oval in seven seasons. Yeah, it's not good, is it? I mean, so we talk about Melbourne choking games and to a lesser extent, Sydney against Carlton. Did Port choke their season? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, but again, though, like we've seen it so many times where teams have peaked too early. Well, that's right. And that's why I wonder if maybe they didn't choke the season because they had some injuries and I don't think anyone had them as the favourites. But yeah, I mean, not so long ago, I was saying Brisbane Port was looking like, yeah. I think the reason why I would say yes, it is, is because at the end of the day, they still had a home semi-final to get into a prelim and they got taken apart. Yep. By a team that finished seventh who only had, what, four wins last year or something? Oh, not not many. Yeah. Not many. And the thing is, like, this is another thing I wanted to look at as well. If you look at the – so fairly recent years, they've introduced that by before the first week of the finals. Yes. In the years without the pre-finals by, top four sides in semifinals are 28 and 6. In the years with the pre-finals by, 8 and 6. Wow. 
So yeah, it really levels the playing field. Yeah, you, you talk about momentum and you talk about teams that, that kind of have that flow going as they get in. And we are, we're seeing a lot more of those. You know, again, I talk about the Western Bulldogs that oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That had that lightning in a bottle from were they the eights? I think they were the eighth. Uh so, they were certainly bottom. I want to say seventh. But yeah, no, that well, the Swans only played two games in four weeks in that season yep. near the end. Yeah. And yeah, match fitness. It, it's tricky. It's yep. really, really tricky. So obviously that's really big. Apparently they were throwing the ball lots in that game too. I noticed in Barrett's uh, sliding doors, he referred to the fact that the dogs threw it on pretty much every, they weren't handballing yeah. it. Boys kicked a goal. Fuck. <laughs> Best commentary of all time. I did just want to quickly though, like how crazy is it when you think about this? Two of the four teams in the prelim finals this week, we're sitting 14th and 15th on the ladder after round 15. Yeah, and this is why we use the phrase, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Both of them had percentages under 100. Like, when you look at what these teams did, so after round 12, the Giants broke the record for the latest in the season to sit bottom four and make a prelim final. Winning at 11 different grounds. 11. But they didn't, though, because Carlton sat bottom four after round 15 and made it. So Carlton actually smashed the record yeah. in the same season. Yeah, so, wow. So since the end of round 13, the Blues are 11 wins and one loss. And since the end of round 12, the Giants are 11 and two. It's incredible. And, and like to do that in season, that is what's most impressive. Turning it around over an off season is one thing. Doing it and making those adjustments in season, it's spectacular, honestly. And there was a great cartoon. I don't know who it was. I wish I'd taken note where it had like, Two boxes on the left, Carlton fans throwing all their memberships in the bin, and then on the right, Carlton fans wading through the tip trying to find uh, their memberships, nice. <laughs> prematurely throwing them away. Have you been watching all the Daniel Gorin shorts? I can't say that I have. He he has been hilarious to watch in all of this because as a mad Blues fan, yeah, early in the season it was ah, oh, it was all doom and gloom, and then they'd get one win and he'd have all the Tupperware out and he'd be like, the lids off. <laughs> The Blues are going to the finals and it's got progressively better and better. And he's made a video recently about uh, you know, all the people that were talking about getting Vossi fired and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And he's pretending to be on the phone. Matthew Lloyd, yeah, I've got a receipt here from June when you said that Vossi was going to lose his job. Time to pay up, champ. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's been really, really good. Great storyline, Vossi to Brisbane, hey? Yes. Coaching against his old team that he won several premierships with. Well, the last time they played in the final, Voss was coaching Brisbane. Yeah, right. Yep. There you go. So there you there, go. And by the way, was Carlton's last final win against Richmond when they were actually ninth, but got in on the basis that oh, Essendon? Yeah. yeah, been, yeah. I have a feeling that's their last finals win prior to this final. Yeah, I'm not, not too sure about it. I'd have to go back and have a look. Maybe second last, yeah. Last thing before we kind of close out this part of it. Tips we'll have to go to next. I think. Before we get to the tips, yeah. though, how fucking good does that Blake Akers trade look now? Oh, mate. I said all along how good he was. He was vital in both of their finals wins. Okay, at the end of that game against Melbourne, he probably shouldn't have played on in the goal square. He probably should have gone back and had a shot from point blank range to kill some clock. But he kicked it. They won anyway, and, they, and he kicked it. Oh, big fan of his was as kind of the Dockers was my second team devastated when he left. And I, I can't remember, was he a throw-in in that trade? But no, he's but, a no, very handy tra- player. They traded him for a third round pick. Yeah. Right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I thought he might have been in the Chera trade. I couldn't remember. That, but that is yeah. That is highway robbery, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, well done to Carlton. Well done to GWS. Tips. Tips. Well, look, Brisbane at home, easy. Haven't lost at home all season. Do you agree? 
I think that's the easy one. Yeah, I'm I'm actually being incredibly boring here. I think it's a replay of 02 and 03. I think it's Brisbane and Collingwood. Okay. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I give Carlton a fucking good chance in this. And I give GWS a fucking good chance in this. But I think those two teams will be too strong at home. But who knows, man? Like, these are the two hottest teams in the league right now. Like, they're playing the probably the best footy. Both of these other teams. I'm going to do it. Do we? Do we? I'm going to do it. Do it. I give Carlton no chance. Oh, shit. No chance. I think Brisbane will win by six goals. Okay. GWS? No, you're not. Are I'm, you... I'm tipping GWS. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Even though Collingwood were 18 and 5, I've seen most of their games this season. They've never been truly convincing. Now, they had some rousing victories. The Anzac Day comeback against Essendon was really impressive. But then they've had yeah, some. But it's Essendon. Yeah. Well, yeah. Didn't make <laughs> so, the finals. Yeah. But then they've had some weird ones too. A lot of close games. Okay. They blew out the Suns, for example, but they lost to Hawthorne. A lot of the games they... They, they only beat us by six. Well, that's the thing. A lot of the games that were blowouts were against the shitty teams. And, okay, yes, they smashed GWS the last time they played. That was in May, though. But that was in May. And GWS are in great form. Nick Dacos is coming back. How's he going to go? Well, if I'm not he's mistaken... Coming in, he's coming in for Taylor Adams. That's what I was just going to say. If I'm not mistaken, Taylor Adams isn't playing... Dacos is going to be a little bit underdone. I wouldn't tag him. I'd tag other blokes and let him be a little bit rusty. That's what I would do initially. Maybe put the tag on him later if you need to. But yeah, GWS, they've hit form at the right time. They've won in 11 different venues, as I said. Toby Green said it was great to be going back to the home, which is the MCG. They played a lot of finals there. Oh, look, I give them a good... GWS, Brisbane Grand Final... Oh, it'd be fucking great. Like, GWS, I'm kind of rooting for that because we'll be in Sydney and it'll be great to be watching a grand final if one of the home states teams are playing. Yeah, because we'll be in the West. Because we'll be, well, yeah. that's right, that's right, that's right. So I'm glad we've got our booking at the pub already. Yes. Thanks, Woody. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thanks, Woody, if you're listening to this segment. Yeah. No, that's, look, I can And, and I with can Brisbane's see. with Brisbane's issues at the G. I can see it purely, what a story. purely because of the Dacos for Adams thing. I, I can see a world where GWS does win it. But also, uh, Collingwood, have they been that convincing? They've won a lot of games, but I don't know. Oh, they, they, they're not Richmond of a few years ago where it was just a lay down Mazaire. That's right. Or, they're not world beaters. Or, yeah. or That's right. I get that. But oh. And obviously they had the heartbreak of the prelim last year. And so that's the thing that makes me think, okay, maybe they overcome that this season. But Look, there's good storylines no matter what happens. Carlton Collingwood would be incredible. Yes. Carlton versus GWS. Like there's you could make the underdogs, you could have the replay of the 0203, or you could have the outsiders basically in, in uh you know Brisbane and GWS. Either way, I think it's gonna be a great grand final, no matter what. I, I love where we're at. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So I'm glad I was a little bit different there. That's good. That's good. I'll pick the Giants. Well, they do have a good song. Oh, have you seen the Simpsons things that that's been going on? No. <laughs> now, Stewie's just laughing because he's just shown me these uh, GWS Giants song compilations from popular culture. Oh, it's brilliant. Honestly, if you just type in like. GWS Simpsons or something. There's compilations of minutes of Simpsons stuff where they've just put the, these. The part with the uh, testing, testing with the megaphones. Yeah. Well, there's a big, big. <laughs> That's brilliant, honestly. Worth looking at.
The other great thing, of course, if GWS make the grand final, we get to see drunk Toby Bedford's mum again yes. with, uh, with the TV crew. So It'd be brilliant. Yeah, looking Un- forward to that. Uncensored. Now, unfortunately, we kind of, well, we often do this, don't we? Segway from levity to Della. That's life. It is life. Unfortunately, the life of the great Ron Barassi is over. And he had a decent knock at age 87. Ah, very good. Yep, yep. Should we uh, on one leg, much like Dickie Bird? May he also rest in peace for the 87 there. 254 games as a player, 515 games as a coach, six-time VFL Premiership player, four-time VFL Premiership coach with two different teams, two at each. Helped get Sydney to a bit more prominence, I guess, after he left them when Rocket Eid came in was when their success was, I guess, starting to kick off. But he really helped establish some culture at the club there. But just an absolute legend of the game. Up there with Lee Matthews, I mean, they're talking about renaming the Premiership Cup for him. I heard a great thing on the most recent episode of Real Footy. I think it was Jake Nile saying that at uh, the bingo games in Melbourne back in the day, they would just say, Ron Barassi, whenever they pulled out number 31. Ah, nice. So not even, you know, like 22, two ducks. Not even like 31 Ron Barassi. They would just go, Ron Barassi. (laughs) So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I've got a stat here that just outlines how incredible this guy was. In the last 25 years, I will say this is a Daniel Cherney. Yes. Yep. We quote him often. In the last 25 years, the four people to be involved in the most AFL grand finals as player slash senior coach combined are Lance Franklin, Joel Selwood, Chris Scott, and Damian Hardwick with six each. In the 25 years from 1954 to 1978, Ron Barassi was in 17. Well, that's right. 17. That's right. Yeah. And as I said, six grand final wins as a player and four grand final wins as a coach. And, and they're that, just the wins. And that 10 is the top of all time as well. Yeah, so. yeah. So they absolutely should name the, <laughs> the they, Premiership they really Cup should, after yeah. him. So very sad news there on the eve of the preliminary finals, but may he rest in peace. Amen. So, look, people are going to have to listen to my voice for the next couple of minutes. I've got a story that I want to tell you. It goes to a few weeks back, and I told you this story. We haven't really had time to really put it in any episodes between then and now, but... Basically, going back a couple of seasons of beach volleyball, there was this team that beat us in the grand final by basically targeting one of our players. I remember you talking about it on an episode too. They didn't do anything outside of the rules, but it just felt like a dick move at the time. And we weren't too impressed with it. Anyway, a couple of seasons on, and I still get up when I know we're playing these guys because I'm determined that they will never beat us again. That's, that is my my promise to myself. Now, as I said, a couple of weeks back, we play them, and it's an incredibly tight game. They won the first set, we won the second, and in the third set, it was, I think, 11-10 with about a minute to go. Now, to set a little bit of the scene as well on how this kind of happened, they recently installed a new timing system where on the display, when it gets to the last minute, the time goes from yellow to red. But previously, the entire set, the timing was yellow. And so when the set finished on the previous sort of timer, it, it went to red, to indicate this is the minute between sets. So there was a little bit of kind of a transition period there. Now, as I said, we had, we'd basically been in this incredibly tight back and forward third set. We we just won a point on their serve to stay up 11-10 and it was my serve. And I will mention the way that we play volleyball, you can only win a point on your serve. So it's not rally point, but the timer had gone into the red because it was the final minute. Now I knew what that meant, but I decided to pretend like the game was over. And it created enough confusion that it wasted a good 30 seconds before the umpire corrected us. It kind of meant that by the time I'd served, even if we lost the point on my serve, it would only give them maybe one chance to tie it. 
We did lose my serve, but I hit a winner on their serve to make sure that the final score ended up 11-10 and we walked off victorious. So that's the story. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of a fuckwit was I? <laughs> what do you reckon? Uh, well, okay, i got to ask. When did they implement the changing of colours on the clock, did you say? Uh, start of the season. So how how familiar are you with that change? Oh, I, I knew about it. How, okay, so several games. Yeah, long enough okay. that certainly the other teams probably knew about it. But If it had been implemented that week, the fuckwit level's not even registering. Yeah. Oh, it's long enough. Given you're yeah. aware of it. <laughs> it's long enough that I know. The little needle starts to, you know, tick a little bit, maybe even into the red a little bit. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest. It's not something I would do, but I used to struggle to make free throws if I knew I wasn't fouled. So that's just it's just in my, my personality. Can I claim karma? <laughs> it's gamesmanship. I, I think, did, well, did the other team... Like what? How were they reacting? Were they like, "Oh, mate, come on, we're still going"? No, like, no, they, no. When I started walking towards the net to do the handshakes, they all started walking in. And oh, well, that brings the fuckwit level down too. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because if if that were me and I were on the other team, I'd be talking to the chair umpire. I'd be talking to the other team. I'd be hurrying people along. I'd be almost picking up the ball and putting it in their hand to serve. Yeah. So if they were dumb enough to go along with your faux end, then I don't think the fuckwit level's too high. Okay. But it's yeah, it's it's it's, like, it's skirting it's, the boundaries of uh, yeah. I will bring this back in the future whenever you have a controversial take. I'm I, sure. I would very much like to encourage anyone listening. Please send us a tweet slash X on what you think my level of fuckwittery on a scale of one to ten was. Yeah, great, sure thing. And write to us sportblokes at gmail.com. We've got a mailbag question this week we too. Do, so. Yeah, we do. Yeah, good times. What do you reckon? So, Stewie, the FIBA World Cup's a little bit in the rearview mirror since we last recorded. World champions, not the US. The Germans. You almost wonder if the karma from the world champion... And by the way, that discussion is still raging on. Damien Lillard joined it today. Yes, saw that. Like, I just don't get American exceptionalism. Anyway, not so exceptional this time. Giannis was very quick to turn around and say, well, yeah, they're not the world champions. Oh, good on him. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, it's every country against one in this debate. Pretty much. As someone who won a championship fairly recently, you know, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, as a defending. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good. Well, not defending, but yeah. No, good point. Yeah. Where where do we go? That Canada-USA game was exciting, wasn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think, Incredible. I, think I nearly had a heart attack when Mikel Bridges hit that three. Yes. Me. Yes. So, well, we'll go back a little ways. Go for it. So, a bit of an arm wrestle. Dylan Brooks couldn't miss. Mm. I think he missed his first three. I think he went seven of eight. He had, like, what, a 39, I think? 40. 40. Only Dirk Nowitzki scored more in international play in the last whatever. I'll look it up and find it in the meantime. But, yeah, I think I don't think he missed a three until the second quarter, second half. That is incredible. And then, yeah, as you say, so we'll fast forward to that now. You pointed out real quick that he broke. He did. And he did. He did. So it's lucky that they didn't win because that would have been a bit sour. So great to see Canada get their first medal. Great to see it go to overtime. But Canada kind of dominated the overtime, didn't they? Yeah, and it did. became a bit kind of ISO heavy. It's just not going to It's not gonna work against work. good teams. It'll work, work against bad teams, but not good ones. Yeah, Shay Gilgis-Alexander very much took over that overtime, which we kind of expected that he would do. Um, but certainly, yeah, had a little bit of help as well. I think Kelly Olenek, uh played some quality ball. 
it's just, yeah, as you say, it's a champion team versus a team of champions. And I mean, okay, Canada didn't win the whole thing, but certainly them being able to knock off the States on that level is incredible. And you, know, you mentioned Dylan Brooks. The more I think about it, the more I kind of wish that OKC had made a play on him. You think about it, two very, very big quality sort of players in Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lugans Dort playing on OKC, that Canadian connection would have actually probably gone quite well. Mm, interesting. Interesting. And, and got to pay somebody the money. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll have a lot of guys needing extensions at some point. Soon, yeah. Yeah. Well, quite, this was stat news. So it said Dylan Brooks had 39, and it was the second highest score in the last 18 years behind Dirk Nowitzki's 47. Anyway, that might not Actually, be correct. Right. No, it was 39. It was 39. It was 39, okay. yeah. I, I don't know. I think he missed a free throw or something that would have would have got him to 40. Yeah, funnily enough, there's my picture of the evidence of him breaking. My Mikhail Bridges breaking on that free throw. Breaking bad. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, do you know, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret here. Don't tell the audience. I actually didn't watch the gold medal game. <laughs> I can understand. There would have been a few people in that boat that, that chose to watch the Canada-USA yeah. bronze medal game over that one. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, just never really... Um, I don't know. I just never really got into watching Germany play after the game against us. I don't know. I just struggled a little bit with them. It makes our loss to them feel a lot easier though, doesn't it? Yep. A lot better. And that's funnily enough, you know, that was one of the conversations was, you know, how how disappointing a tournament was it for the Aussies. And the reality is I don't think it was that bad. No, well, we said it on our last episode, kind of around where we kind of expected. Lost arguably our best player going into the tournament, lost to the world champions, lost to Luka Doncic effectively, who just took us apart, played one bad game. And you know, finish the tournament where we deserved. Yeah, I, look, I don't have strong memories of the gold medal game. I probably watched it quite late. But yeah, hats off to the Germans. Terrific effort. And they could have Huck Porty joining that team soon mm-hmm. too. And he's a very good player. Absolutely. Now, LeBron James, etc., are saying they're coming back for Paris next year. But isn't this entirely predictable? It's just on the normal spin cycle of rinsing and repeating. The Yanks haven't won a World Cup since 2014. This is what they do. They send a lesser team to the World Cup, a team that was good enough to beat everyone, by the way. Okay, they might have lacked some big man depth, but they didn't lack talent. It was execution that was their undoing, in my opinion. Anyways, they send a lesser team to the World Cup only to be disappointed to rouse the biggest stars for the Olympics. It's been happening a lot over the last 15 odd years. So I'm, I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? No, not at all. It's uh, it's one of these things where... Yeah, they, they basically have to send the big guns because the American public won't put up with losing. And, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, as you said, like, who were their starting centres? Well, the centres... Jaron Jackson Jr., Jackson, yeah. Jackson and he was and, not grabbing rebounds. Like Kessler. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was the two big guys, basically. Yeah. yeah. You had, I reckon, one player in that entire squad that I would have on their Olympic side, Anthony Edwards. That's it. Really? Yep. He's the only one you would bring back. The only guy. Wow. Who would you bring back? Yeah, well, I'm just kind of thinking. I'd, I'd have to look at everything. There's, and There's no one that you can't make a case for there being at least two or three guys better than. You could go Jalen Brunson and say, well, you've got Steph Curry that's better than him. Damian Lillard's better than yeah, him. Yeah, they probably, they probably could. Like this, yeah. That's the thing. The US are stacked at every position. So by the time you bring back all of these top quality players, I reckon Edwards is the only guy who's got a look. Do they go for the gold or do they think about succession a little bit and maybe keep guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. maybe buried on the bench? No. Yeah, okay. No. You just go for the win. I think you're better off to go someone... You know, they'd probably have to go back to someone like Bam Adebayo. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Like yep. he's, he's the guy you've kind of got to look at. 
I think if anything, you're better off having Walker Kessler because at least he's a shot blocker. Anthony Davis is another one they could potentially bring in. Yep, AD is definitely a guy that you could look at. There's so many guys that you could realistically put in there. Draymond Green. Yeah, well, that's it. And that was the other thing I was going to say is if you do want to have like a small ball five. Draymond Green suits the FIBA game. He does. Passing big who plays D. Yep. Yeah. That's it. And someone who, uh, I guess, likes the physicality a little bit more than others as well. So, yeah, you could make a case for that big time. Yep. And I don't think even with all the stars, it's a guarantee they'd win. Now, they would be favourites and they should win and they probably would. But you never know. You never know. The the state of the game is in very good hands, isn't it? Everywhere but the States in some ways. I mean, obviously, that's a silly thing to say when you talk about the NBA. But I do worry about some of the youth basketball and, and some of the AAU stuff that goes on. There's no teamwork. There's no, yeah, it's all ISO. Yeah. I, ju- I just think it all goes back to the Steph Curry effect. This this generation, it's all three-pointers. And if it's not a three-pointer, it's a dunk. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just smart, but it's about how you do it. So are you doing that through ISOs or are you doing it through ball movement? And that's, you know? and that's If it's di- 15 dribbles at the top of the key and launching a three at the end of the shot clock versus moving it around the horn. And a lot of those European teams, I mean, their passing is why they were so successful. Yeah. And it's a prettier brand of basketball too. It is. And and that's a really good point that you bring up as well. Like the reason that Steph's been so successful is because he's played with Draymond Green. And the reason that Draymond Green is so successful is because he's played with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Those those guys... A big, very good big three. Yeah. 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 Who knows how successful any one of those guys would have been had they been in a different environment like it just you just don't know and and i honestly i think steph and clay would have probably still been successful but you know i've said it that many times i don't think draymond green outside of golden state would be amazing we won't relitigate that argument no we won't now prior to our i guess nbl preview episode of sorts but it's focusing more on the draft players and the younger players you've got some nbl notes there stewie so I've seen bits and pieces. Obviously, I would love to have watched more of the Blitz. There. Blitz and pieces? Blitz and pieces, yeah. yeah. I would love to have seen way more of it, honestly. It is really, really exciting, though. You know, we've been talking quite a bit over the past 12, 18 months about the expansion of the league. Gold Coast has continually come up as one of the options. And previously, it's been, as we've said, a place where franchises go to die. But they broke a record for ticket sales for a Blitz which is pretty cool. Now, obviously, they've got a bigger stadium than places like Darwin, so it kind of, it's, I don't know, maybe it's a bit blurred, but... Maybe, hey, with Damien Hardwick going up there in the footy, maybe the thirst for sport in the Gold Coast is as high as it's ever been. That's it. Yeah. So you I mean, a lot of international talent, a lot of guys with NBA prospects, so you can see why people got out to, to check it out. Mm. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's been really interesting. You know, I, I think one of the very exciting things to come out of the blitz is that it's not a lay down Mazer that the Kings will win their third straight. I think there's a, well, it's very hard with a pretty much brand new team or, you know, brand new imports, a pretty different core. And they are very good when you think about guys like Hogue, but new coach it's, I mean, it's not, it's not easy. No, it's very, very difficult. I mean, look, Jalen Adams and DJ Hogue haven't played. So I guess, you know, we always talk about preseason. Do you really take that much out of it? Remember, Adelaide won the Blitz and were an absolute steaming pile of shit last season. So, well, yeah, and they went and beat Phoenix as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, exactly, yeah. So yeah. we kind of can very easily get a little bit too excited about all of these things. But 
yeah, I guess what we're seeing is that there are some teams that are very, very clearly not going to be great. And there's other teams that we think can potentially, I guess, contend. So I think there's every possibility a very good team will miss the finals. Yeah. I think that's very, very fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's a couple of things I'll sort of maybe talk about for a lot of these teams. So Melbourne United, we'll start off with them. They had a very, very big win over Sydney just before we hit record. Are we maybe getting a bit too excited about them after three games? They're undefeated. They're top of the table in the blitz. They beat Illawarra, who aren't going to be amazing this year. They beat Brisbane, who are going to be pretty shit. And they beat a Sydney team that are missing their two best players. I don't know. What do you, what do you make of well, it? Well, I think, I think you, what you said before was spot on. I think you can't take too much out of the preseason. If Delhi can shoot four of eight from three, re- <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go 50% for the season, but you know, if you can get a few of those games out of him as this guy coming back, because he was not a reliable shooter last time he was in Melbourne, but he's had a pretty decent blitz. I haven't had a chance to see what he shot today, but you know, if he can put up reasonable numbers, you know, maybe 15, 16 points a game, Shay Illy looked better last season. Oh, Illy gets better every season, it seems. And obviously, Huck Porty's back now. Huck as well. Porty's back. Even with JLA injured, they're stacked. They're, they're so, a crazy good team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll go pretty well, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Sydney, as I mentioned, they're missing two of their, their three best players. Jalen Galloway looks like he wants to be the next Xavier Cooks. Has Well, they're, they're great athletic players, the Galloway boys, aren't they? Both of them, yeah. But I think where he probably has maybe a leg up on Cooks is that he does have that legitimate three-point range, basically, which I think is exciting. Alex Tui is as advertised. Denzel Valentine, a little bit of touch of class as well. NBA range, obviously, as well. So you really can't sag off him. Valentine's a really interesting one. I don't know if you've seen that documentary that Bill Simmons' company, The Ringer, was involved in with the G League, and it's got a whole bunch of guys, Scoot Henderson, and Denzel Valentine, he's a weird one. He's a bit of a, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. He could either be the MVP of the league or he could ruin their chemistry. And it's it's going to be really interesting. But he's a wild card, he that one. He is, absolutely. I think the biggest thing with Sydney, you've got to stop their transition. They have looked absolutely dynamite in transition in this blitz. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But then again, you put Adams and Hogue in a half-court set and they're very, very tough to stop as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, a very, very good team. They should be favourites. They, they should be. Well, they certainly should be up there in the yeah. top two or three. Obviously, Perth, we know a little bit about that. I think the most exciting thing that I've seen in the Blitz from Perth so far is, I mean, what were the two issues that we had last season? Oh, where do you start? I mean, we had a, several issues. What What would you say were the main issues? Oh, uh, I think... I think we needed better big man play and we needed yep. better rebounding. Rebounding, which seems to be addressed. Yeah, and I think the D could have improved too. Yeah. I think first quarters as well. That too was... much reliance on Bryce. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. There's <laughs> no, but that and that's interesting you bring that up as well. So the first quarters, I mean, they had that ridiculous 37-11 first quarter against the 36ers the other day. They I think they were a pretty decent start against Cairns from memory as well. It would have been around sort of 10 points. The issue is now the bloody second quarters. <laughs> We're sort of losing a little bit of ground there. But uh, it's not the regular rotation though. So No, well, this is it. But I, th- I think the exciting thing is the bench. You think about the second unit for the last few years, it's been pretty average. Ben Henschel looks real quality. Yeah, yep. Michael and Hiram Harris look really good. Michael looks like he's ready to take that next step now that Todd Blanchfield's gone. 
So, you know, he's he's got some sneaky athleticism too, does. Michael Harris. Yeah. He does. Yeah. But, you know, he's a he's a real flamethrower when he gets going. He's a bit like Angus Glover. Yeah, I was can hit the three, but can also take it to the rack and dunk on you. Yeah, I saw a little bit of Peter Crawford. Oh well. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just in terms, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. You know, the bigs look looking really good, and there's been some really good things from Jordan Usher as well. I like his competitive nature. Again, sneaky, athletic, shoots the three at a pretty decent clip. There's a lot of guys there that can take that pressure off Bryce. So there's a lot of reason for optimism that certainly Perth should be making the finals, but. Long I think it's a better team than last season on paper at this stage. Yeah, much yeah. better. I, I'm a big fan of Sar. Big, big fan of Sar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With Southeast Melbourne's interesting. Tyler Cook, I really like the look of him. Really athletic and strong. Kind of a bit of Zion in terms of. Oh. Well, in terms of like when he gets downhill, you just you can't stay in front of him. He's got that big body. He's very athletic. Finishes with a left. Can finish with a right though in traffic as well, which is really impressive. I'm not sure how Reese Vague is a starter in the league. I just I don't get it. I don't see what people see in Reese Vague. Yeah, uh, it's possible he's improved in leaps and bounds since we last saw him play. I have seen nothing to indicate yeah, that, okay. that he's yeah. got any better. Okay. I don't know. I'm just I'm not sure about him. But again, you know, they've got a lot of really good looking imports. And you just never know what you're going to get with their Aussies in terms of Ruben Tarangis and all those sorts of guys if they fire. Southeast Melbourne could be pushing as well. Has Tarangi become an Aussie? Sorry, yeah, true, good point. The local players, no. Local, I knew what you said. Local, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, well, Bryce hasn't become an Aussie, so Tarangi can't. My apologies to New Zealand. I'm not trying to. We're not trying to do a. Uh, yeah, a Russell Crowe Crow or, or a, <laughs> Sam Neill, Pavlova, <laughs> or that that band that I can never remember the name of. Uh, Crowded House. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, all of that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, saw them this year. Very good. There you go. The Bear Tony Ronson was at that gig. He was. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go. I didn't want to approach him. He was enjoying his wine at the. Uh... He would have been terrible behind him. <laughs> He's a big unit. Big unit. I mean, New Zealand haven't seen enough of them to really say too much. Dylan Cheatham's one of these guys where I think he hasn't had an amazingly efficient start, but his energy and his ability to dunk. I mean, that dunk he had against Adelaide. A bit of an alien dunk, but it was huge. Jarek Rocket. Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> it's classic. Did you see that uh, Finn Delaney's given up number three? Uh, I'm, I'm never as kind of, you seem to be much more tuned into numbers and jerseys and that sort yeah. of stuff than I am, yeah. Gave it back to Cam Glidden and he was opted for number 70. Okay. Interesting. It's a weird number. It is a bit. Yeah. And, and look, the flip side, obviously, the, the other end of the spectrum, I mean, Adelaide looked terrible. They, I actually wrote yesterday that Franklin Flowers and Starling won't last. Franklin's already been released, didn't even make round one. Yeah, that's right. That's, so that's right. pretty ugly. And, uh, yeah. Well, Flowers is the next star. They're not going to get rid of him. No, he might I, just get the Mojave King treatment and get buried on the bench. Yeah, it just he just doesn't strike me as a point guard. Really. Actually, there was that European guy that left who was the next star. Russian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I, I worry about a little bit as well with Adelaide, Mitch McCarron, again, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. He looked amazing at Melbourne United because he was surrounded by quality shooters and wings. In Adelaide, he looks horrible. I never found him to be a pure point guard. I always found him to be more of a combo guard. So yeah, yeah. if you if you're wanting him to run an offense as a pure point guard, yeah, I don't know. He's, I mean, he's capable. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like yesterday's game, three combined points and assists in twenty five and a half minutes, three turnovers as well. Mm. O of eight from the field, plus minus of negative twenty seven. Ugh. Yeah, that's when you want to forget. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Brisbane, yeah, so they don't look much better. 
Aaron Baines before today's game was two of 17 across his two games. Did have a very good game, 20 and 20 on seven of 12 from the field. But they're just, they're so heavily reliant on their starters. Their bench was 14 points on four of 16 today against the Hawks. I just, I can't see them doing too much. Um, and apparently Harry Froling, who people will remember was the victim of that coward punch last year, mm. hasn't had a single... I saw that tweet. Hasn't heard anything from the club. I've got it here somewhere. I'll quote it. Can Go you... for it. Since my injury, I haven't had one message from the Brisbane Bullets. Only people I hear from are my former teammates and Sammy Mack and the other NBL clubs. Makes you wonder what's going on in those offices. Not even a message asking if I would like access to the gym or physio. Don't remember anything from midnight Saturday to Wednesday. Don't remember flying, being in hospital. I was in autopilot for most of that. Oh, and that's, I'll, I'll leave it there. But that was basically in response to people saying that he shouldn't have flown. But it's like, if someone's fucking concussed, they're not the one to be pointing the finger at. It's the medical staff. Absolutely. Again, I, I know I talk a little bit about my concussion. I have been told things about what happened afterwards where like, I, I don't remember two and a half hours around that concussion. And apparently I picked up my keys. Yeah, I remember you saying. And I started walking towards the door and an off-duty nurse grabbed me and said, hey, you're not going outside to drive a car. You are concussed. You need to go to hospital. I'm like, I have no recollection of that. So yeah, again, you can't blame a guy who has a concussion. It's ridiculous. Victim blaming. And there's been some stuff in the AFL lately about doctors and concussions and their kind of mixed uh, loyalties to club or to to doing the right thing. Mm. It's the Hippocratic Oath, not the Hippocritic Oath. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's that's brilliant. No, I like that. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's an interesting little blitz. I, again, you try not to take too much out of this because, again, guys... Are still- yeah, you've taken a lot out of it by the looks. It's funny because I remember a couple of years ago when we did that preview with the Pocket Podcast boys, I think I took too much out of the blitz. So it's this time it's your turn. But- oh, yeah, look, look, as I say, a lot of this stuff is probably going to be null and void in a a few weeks. But there are genuine guys like Dylan Cheatham in New Zealand, as I said, where I don't look too much at what he's done in the first couple of games numbers-wise. He's more of an eye test sort of guy. You can see the energy. You can see what he's going to bring to that team. And then, look, I mean, haven't even spoken about the other, the teams that we always forget about, like Cairns and Hobart. Well, Cairns, Taron Armstrong. Yeah. My eyes are firmly affixed on his play because he looks to be quite a good little prospect. By the way, did you see Tyrese Proctor is projected at two on some mock drafts? Wow. Yeah. And obviously Brad Rosen sung his praises very loudly when we talked to him last year. So I dare say neither of us are getting him. Uh, What? Really? What? What? You reckon we're both going to be in the lottery? Oh, the Spurs will. I don't think you'll be getting the number two pick. We'll be in the bottom five records in the league. Definitely. Oh, but Wemby. Oh, yeah. Everyone's going on about Wemby. No, no, no. We'll, we don't have any veterans. <laughs> I'm joking. It's, it's almost it's like we're in, going on about Wemby. Yeah, it's almost like we're intentionally kind of tanking again, to be honest. Just selfish. Yeah, we've got a lot of picks coming so, our way. Well, so do you guys. So bloody selfish. Anyway. Okay. One last thing I did want to just quickly mention before we move on to the mailbag question. I heard one of the worst commentating mispronunciations of a player's name ever. Not uh, Ante Tokotomitu. It's up there. Okay. It's, it's up there. But it's it's possibly worse because of the fact that these are NBL commentators. Right. And not a guy doing the news. We all know the guy that used to play for the Perth Wildcats and the Sydney Kings. He's a, uh, a combo guard. Wani. Oh, Swakala Bullock. No. Waka Solubuk. Oh, dear. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's not a bench warmer either. He's a handy no, player. He's uh yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. So as I mentioned previously, sportblokes at gmail.com for our mailbag. We don't have them very often. So this one's from Dave here in Perth. It's short and sweet, but it's an excuse to talk NFL. Is there any world where Jonathan Taylor sticks with the Colts? No. All right, end of segment. <laughs> If you have a question for the sport bloke, I mean that was that's definitely the short answer. The, well, the, my short answer is only if Jim Irsay were to sell the team before the end of the season, mm. which isn't going to happen. That's not going to happen. So no, there's no world. I don't think. I mean, look, he might stay purely because the Colts can't find any sort of value that they feel they deserve for him. True. Because one of the things I've kind of noticed in looking at Damian Lillard and James Harden is that it feels like teams are kind of trying to take a little bit of that power back from the players as they should and saying like, you know what, if you want to lose a year of your prime by sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing, that's fine. And he- the technicality there though, is then he walks into free agency. So he wouldn't be staying with the Colts beyond, but yeah, no. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's absolutely fine, I guess. But oh, if I were a GM, if I didn't feel like I was getting good value for a guy, I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, sit in the pine. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you know more about this story than I do. I do. So why don't you fill me and the rest of the listeners in? Oh, basically, Jim Ursay is a bit of a dick. He's not Donald Sterling level dick, but he's pretty bad. He can be disrespectful to the players. He's a bit of a fruit loop. He's not a good owner. And a lot of people don't like playing for bad owners. There's the running back issue where in the NFL at the moment, running backs are not getting paid a lot. Well, he's he's basically scheduled to make four point three million, which is better than a lot, to be honest. Yeah. But even so, it's it, considering how important the position is. But you compare that to an inside linebacker like Shaquille Leonard; he's making nearly eighteen million. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And yeah. There's no way that you uh, and, can say an inside linebacker is three and a half times the importance. And linemen and quarterbacks, obviously yeah, receivers. Like, but but listen to all the running backs that are injured. Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb. Do you see that injury? I didn't see it. But that I, was terrible. It was gruesome. It was. Oh, oh my. Yeah, it's amazing he yes. could walk after that. And his teammates tried to pick him up and he's like, no, 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 no. no. Like that leg nearly snapped right off. Oh, that should have been broken. Wow. Okay, yep. So yeah. he might be out for a couple of weeks. He's out for the season, as is J.K. Dobbins. David Montgomery, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. So as Mason Dodd tweeted, week two isn't even over and I can't even remember it being this bad. Now, the other big question, are any of them on your fantasy team? Aaron Jones. Hopefully he'll be coming back. Okay. Cooper Cup's on my fantasy team. He's on the injury reserve as well. Mm, okay. Speaking of both players that run and concussions that we've talked about today as well, our new quarterback, Anthony Richardson, became the first Colts player with multiple rushing touchdowns in the first quarter of a game since Edger and James since 1999. Edger and James. Speaking of those great running backs. So anyway, yeah, I guess we, we draw a line under the Jonathan Taylor thing first before I just go to a few other bits and pieces in the NFL world. But no, I don't think there's any world. I just hope we get something decent for him. And look, there are teams in need of Cleveland would be a very interesting one. They might try and trade for him because they have got a decent team. Now, Deshaun Watson didn't have a great start to the season. So that contract's looking pretty bad. And See if he can do better than bloody Fremantle did for Blake Akers. Yes, indeed. Yeah. How's this? Scorigami, Baltimore-Houston, 25-9, to 1,076th unique score oh, in NFL okay. history. I, wasn't there another one? 
didn't Chicago beat? New there York? might have been one this week they too. Beat actually, New York like seventeen to negative pi. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, thought you were being serious for a no, second. Man. No. Adam Schefter. Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in NFL history to win each of his first six career regular season starts and throw at least two touchdowns in each start. Purdy's also the first quarterback in NFL history with a passer rating of 95 or higher in each of his first six. Pretty good. Pretty good, all right. Mm-hmm. How's this? No team has ever lost 40 to nothing or worse, lost the sack battle 7 nothing or worse, lost the turnover battle 3 nothing or worse, had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown and threw a pick six in a season. The Giants did it in one game, their opening game against the Cowboys. I really wanted you to just leave it. <laughs> like, and just be like, okay, then. No team has ever flown to the moon, sailed to the sun, and gone back in time in the same game. How's this, though? That's it. Speaking of the Cowboys, in 64 seasons, they've never got off to a more dominant start. They're the third team since 1970 to score at least 70 points and allow only 10 or fewer in the first two games of a season. Mm-hmm. So they're looking all right. Justin Jefferson, just 24 years old, already has more career receiving yards than any Chicago Bears receiver in the team's history. Oh, dear. Over 100 years. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots are 0-2 for the first time since like 2001 or something. That's That's great to hear. But also... The Bears were a team 41 years before the Vikings. 41 years! Correct, you blimey. Isn't that nuts? Nine players that have more yards for the team than anyone's recorded for the Bears. And if Stefan Diggs hadn't gone to the Bills, he would have got there too. Would have been 10. Crazy. Can't wait to show my wife that knee injury. She's squeamish as anything. She'll probably vomit. You're terrible. One more quick hit on the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers entered the fourth quarter trailing the Browns 22-19, to 19, and they gained a total of minus seven yards in the final quarter. They still won that They game. won the game 26-22. <laughs> it's the fewest yards gained in the fourth quarter by a team that overcame a fourth quarter deficit to win this century. Seven intentional safeties. Crazy stuff. Now, I hate to say, unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff going on in the NFL world that happens here in the AFL with people using racist remarks in the DMs. Not cool. And you did mention the Patriots. Great to see them lose two games. Not great to see that guy that got cowed, punched, and died at the game. I did hear about that. Yeah, Yeah, that's... Very sad. Yeah. 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 And he'd been a member for like 20 years. and yeah, Just going to a football game to try and watch. Well, that's right. Yeah. Like, be passionate, support your team. Yeah. You're allowed to have debates and arguments. You don't need to punch people in the face. No. Very disappointing. So to answer your question, no. No. <laughs> but thanks, Dave. Keep them coming. Absolutely. If you have a question for the Sport Blokes, email them, sportblokes at gmail.com, or find them on Twitter at sportblokes. Oh, Stewie. What a marathon this has become. It's nearly 2024. Yeah. Luckily, we're not talking about marathons, but we'll talk about the cricket recently. Jesus. South Africa. They turned it around, didn't they? They did. My goodness. They had Ashes vibes all over it, didn't they? Yeah, a little bit. And they dominate the first two and then, uh, yeah, went to shit after that. At least we retain the Ashes. Yeah, true. I, I mean, put it this way. Do we take much out of the series? There was no Stark, no Cummins, no Smith, no Maxwell. A lot of players that were playing in those games that maybe won't get much of a go. I don't know. Do we take much out of it? I think it's a really good point. I think a part of this series was to try and work out the top 11 and and the rotation and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I think there would have been a bit of experience. Well, I'll be honest. I didn't watch much of this. 
I saw more of the T20s, so I don't have a lot to say, but I wonder if Marnus should be in the squad. Well, I mean, he was probably one of the only guys that fired once, let alone... Well, that's right, that's right. The biggest issue for me is that on top of those four that were missing, Travis Head picked up an injury, Sean Abbott split the webbing in his fingers, Ashton Agar, I think, had a calf strain, Cam Green picked up a concussion. Travis Head's been ruled out for the first half of the World Cup. There you go. So there's... What was it? A broken something? Broken, it was finger, wasn't it? Broken, yeah, something, something from his shoulder down. Yes, on his arm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it definitely wasn't his head. No, we know that. It's not for falling into a swimming pool. It wasn't his. That was Alex Carey, wasn't it? Tra- Travis head. Yeah. His, oh head. yeah, very good. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Terrible. Sorry. Yeah. Terrible. No, let's just not even call that comedy. Okay. The the biggest issue for me though, and the thing that worries me the most is the death bowling. This is something that, you know, we traditionally aren't too bad at. But, I mean, listen to this for some numbers. So we're talking economy rate in the last 10 overs since the 2019 World Cup versus this series. Okay. Adam Zampa, 6.54 compared to 10.1. By the way, he's tied... Mick Lewis, Mick yep. Lewis's uh, inauspicious record mm. for most runs conceded, yeah. Not pretty. Yep. Josh Hazelwood, 7.66 compared to 11.71 in this series. Nathan Ellis, nine and a half to 14. Poor. Marcus Stoinis didn't do too badly, but his baseline wasn't particularly great. 10.7 to 11.6. Woody's tipped him to have a big World Cup well, in our chat recently. With the bat, yeah. I mean, he's good bowling at the start, but he's just, the death bowling's not been great. And if you consider, the, there were three instances. So they gave up 96 runs in the final 10 overs at Potchef's room. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, it's better than what I could do. 173 runs at Centurion. Yes, and a, a part of that on the back of that massive 173 from uh, Ed and Mark. No, it was, it was Henrik Klaassen. Klaassen, yeah, Klaassen, yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, and then 113 at, at Joburg as well. So, yeah, some really, really bad reading for, for the Aussies. The middle order was a disaster as well. They just, yeah, I don't know, a little bit worrying. So I guess we'll see how things go. But Certainly have a little bit less optimism than I did before, but I still think we can, we should make the semis. Oh, should. We should. Should. Yeah. Now, a team that is probably feeling a little bit better about their position, I guess, than we are, is India. They fired a warning shot, knocked over Sri Lanka in the final of the Asia Cup, skittling them for just 50. Yeah. And truth be told, they were bloody lucky to even make that. They were six for 11 at one stage. It's just disastrous batting. Incredible bowling, though, it has to be said. Like, Mohamed Siraj absolutely just uh, yeah. destroyed the top order. I think he had six for seven at one stage and then finished with uh, the figures blowing out a little bit at six for 21. But, I mean, what do you do with that? Now, in case anyone is wondering, I did have a look back. It's actually the third quickest completed ODI in the history of all ODIs in terms of completed overs. Nepal beat the USA in 2020 in a total of just 17.2 overs combined. USA were bowled out for 35 in 12 overs and Nepal chased that down in 5.2 overs after being two for two, it has to be mentioned. And in 2001, it took Sri Lanka just 20 overs to beat Zimbabwe after Chiminda Vass took eight for 19 to dismiss Zimbabwe for 38 off 15.4 overs and they reached one for 40 off just 4.2. Oh dear. Uh, I love it when they go out and just swing the wheel over when they're chasing. Why not? Small totals. And that makes Pakistan's 128 look impressive. Kohli and Rahul put on 233 in India's 356. And then bowled Pakistan out for 128. Kuldeep Yadav doing the damage 5 for 25. Yeah. <laughs> they've got 
a whole bunch of different players firing. And you're at home. Yeah. I, They're going to be scary. I can't see a world where they don't win it. Yeah, it's it, strong favourites, yeah. to say the least. All right, Stewie, you know what that music means. The marathon's over. By the way, did you hear about that running in Sydney where people were dropping like flies and there were lines for the dunnies? And I actually saw the Mexico City Marathon. 11,000 out of the 30,000 competitors were disqualified for various forms of cheating, including public transport. <laughs> it's just, well, marathon. Uh, was Simona Halep involved? No. Well, look, look. <laughs> If you want to do a marathon, you're crazy, honestly. Oh, great. Lots of fun tonight, though. Yeah, lots of fun. Always a long one after we've had a week off. Lots of exciting stuff in the next two weeks, too. Until next time, I'm Nath. And I'm Stu. We are the Sportplex.